This message is brought to you by Cornerstone Gospel Church in Frankston, Australia. Praise the Lord. We've uh, just been going over a few messages relating to the nature of true Christianity, a series that we did a couple of years back. And um, uh, just as a bit of a, a recap on, um, on these issues, because they are the kind of issue that needs to be, we need to go back over periodically because the battle of the Christian life, and it's why so much of scripture is, is pointed at this issue, the battle of the Christian life is not this physical battle, uh, you know, whereby we might suffer in the body and various things. There is an element to that. But the real battle of the Christian life is the battle within the mind, uh, in the thought world. And so, so many Christians uh, struggle in that area until they come to that realisation of the importance of the thought life and how the thought life comes under the control or, or comes under the uh, leading or the direction and the, the strengthening of the Holy Spirit. And so we, in this series we went through, we were looking at uh, these ideas of freedom now from the results of the bonds of sin, that you and I can have freedom in the thought life and we can have that freedom now. And so this was the last message of a section uh, of this that we covered. I think we did about um, 70 or more lessons in the whole thing, I think, um, maybe 60-odd lessons. So we are going to read from Romans chapter 1, if you will turn there. The damage to mankind with sin has been so significant that as, as man, we are broken away from the original intent and purpose and identity that God has put within us as, as mankind. We were created truly to worship God and to serve God, to live in biblical relationship with one another, husband and wife, parents and children, uh, socially within neighbourhoods, etc., etc. But as man fell, there is a break away from his true identity to that of serving the, rather than serving the creator, serving the creature. And by that, Paul truly means the first essence of serving the creature is talking about serving himself, that mankind has switched from the worship and service of God to the worship and service of self. Biblical Christianity affects us in such a profound way that it takes us from that self-deification, self-glory, to a place in which we walk endeavouring to glorify God again. We're not trying to glorify a religious institution and all this kind of stuff. You know, if you, uh, um, you know, we're not trying to do that. We're trying to glorify God and that everything that we do in our lives should be pointed in that direction. And sometimes we fail miserably at that. But Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and onwards gives us this real sense of the change 
that this world has experienced in the inner man. And, uh, and that change has not been a positive change. Romans 1, beginning at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Truth is essentially this internal thing. It is something whereby uh, information that we know to be true uh, comes is presented to a person, they digest that information, they know it to be true. But here Paul talks about people who are ungodly and unrighteous because they are suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness. What is patently obvious is suppressed. And later we will see Paul talk about uh, immoral relationships, particularly those of women with women and men with men. And biologically, that is patently obvious to be incorrect. It's only now in this generation where scientific advancement has enabled people to uh, procreate without the use of a male or a female, but still have to do an extraction somewhere. But So without the use of a male, they have to do the extraction somewhere and then do an implanting of the seed, etc., etc., in order for it to happen. It still does not happen naturally. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. This is where sin has taken us to, and it's primarily in this realm of the thoughts, the heart connection. In their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, the worship of man himself. So man has taken God from being deified and worshipped and has attempted to deify himself and the, and the, the created order, the birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, And this is the process of sin, that as we move away from truth, that God gives us over to the internal workings of our own hearts, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And so when we talk about sin, the real issue of sin is not externally the acts that you and I commit. That's not the real issue of sin. That's like the fruit hanging on a tree. That's all that is. The real issue of sin 
is what is driving that sinful action. It is what's going on in the heart. And from a counselling perspective, this is the vital thing, that when people have uh, committed some kind of gross sin, it's vital to get away from dealing with that sin and its effects because that's not the primary thing. There, There may be fallout and there might be effects from that sin. The vital thing is to get back to the heart of that person and what allowed them to go in that in that direction for a start. And that's something that was working internally in them. And this is important for us to understand. So, Romans 1 gives us this established order that God is not hidden from his creation. They knew God. They professed their own wisdom. And and so this is the deception that that sin is born out of. Uh, they defiled the uh, deified the create uh, the creation above the creator and in that way it's a defiling of the creation in fact and so to summarize this established order of Romans chapter 1 ideas in the thought life are followed by outward results as a man thinks in his heart so is he So we can say a couple of things about this, that the internal is first and the external causes, or the internal causes the external. And this means that morally, the internal is central. So a person who commits some kind of sin, as I said before, we need to move on to dealing with the heart issue as to what has both allowed and been the instigation behind that person's sin. When you commit a sin, this is the important part of thinking and reasoning through these things yourself. What was it that gave you license to do that? And deal with that with the Lord. And we saw in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus deals with a number of these things and he takes the external action that the law identifies, uh, such as committing adultery. Jesus said, you've heard those, uh, those of old say, you shall not commit adultery. So he takes that external action of the adultery and he goes back a step. But I say to you, he who looks at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And so Jesus identifies that the real link to sin is a corruption in the heart. So sin is formed from the internal to the external, from the heart to the result. That which has been created ex nihilo, which means out of nothing, has objective external reality and reveals the intelligence, the character and the personality of God. This is just a summary of some of the things we've been talking about. God created everything we see out of nothing. So God thinks... And then brings forth into the external world. You and I in being created in the image of God, in the image and likeness of God, or out of the thinking of God, we've been brought forth to reflect the character and nature of God in this world. Sometimes we do that well, and well, sometimes we don't do that well. So we've been created from the mind of God. This is, this is what we need to understand about God, is that he thinks and then brings forth into the external world. 
This is where we differ from God, though, because although we can think and bring forth into the external world, we're bringing forth from something, not from nothing. You, you can't create something from nothing ever. You don't, you don't have that. Your thoughts can give way to you making something, but you're rearranging atoms in some way in order to do that. Whether it's baking a cake, um, you know, whether it's building a house, you're rearranging existing material to follow on from your thoughts. So God's creation exhibits his nature, but it's not an extension of his essence. This is a, a mystical Eastern Hinduistic teaching that, uh, that stresses the essence of God in everything, that God is in all of creation and, and you are in God and you're in creation and you're part of God and these kinds of things, that you're an expression of the essence of God. And that is wrong. We're an expression of the mind of God, that God thought and then he created man. Man is affected internally by the external world. It's a very simple concept that things that happen around you affect you internally. Somebody dies, you're affected internally. Your emotions are affected. Somebody tells you something joyous, you're affected internally. You, you can't even help these responses. No matter how damaged you are, there are still responses internally about this. And so it's from the internal world of thoughts that man affects the external world. Things you say to one another affect each other. Things you do can affect somebody else, etc., etc. And God can create out of nothing because he is infinite, but you and I cannot because we are finite. And this is really important to us because this this kind of understanding will help you to move forward in your Christian life, seeing your limitations, but seeing the work that God wants to do in your life. We often say this kind of thing, that God wants to do a work in your life. And that's where all of the work that God does is essentially the most important work, is that God works within you to change you. Then you know, people may see the results of the external, but if the external doesn't change, that doesn't matter. It's about the internal change that is important. Um, you know that I've lost a, a couple of pounds over the last year, and um, I think it's was, it was up around um, you know, 65 or 70 pounds. Sounds better than 35 kilos, but... but um, but, you know, essentially that was by changing what went on internally. That was essentially what it was. It wasn't about, you know, the external. My toenails didn't weigh that much to, to have that bigger impact. It was essentially an, external, uh, an internal ch- change that brought about the external. That's it. And so sometimes when a person gets saved, many times in fact, when a person gets saved... There's such a dramatic internal change that you begin to notice it externally. 
you know, and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. But the focus by churches and by Christians need to, needs to be firstly on the internal. If we focus on the external, we will create systems of legalism within a church. And, and that dwarfs people's spiritual growth then because we become focused on the external of our performance in a church or our dress in a church and all these kinds of things and, and on meeting certain standards and stuff like that. Things that may be important to some degree, but really, if they are important, their real importance will come out of a heart of change in an individual. So, some elements of the Christian life. First, in the true Christian life or in true spirituality, Christians are to be dead in, to all things in order to be alive to God. And this is where, this is where we really battle. You know, uh, I have a saying that, and you've heard me say it before, people aren't a problem, it's only the living ones that cause you trouble. And it actually comes out of Romans chapter 6 where this idea comes from, that being dead to sin but alive unto God. That it comes out of that because the only time that Christians cause trouble for each other, example, for example, is, is when you and I are alive to ourselves. We're trying to get our agenda through. We're trying to get our uh, purpose through against another person's wishes, etc., etc. You, you can go in so many directions with this. But Paul calls us in Romans chapter 6 to be dead to everything with the old life, dead to sin but alive to God. And this is an inward thing that God wants to achieve in us an inward work of the Holy Spirit that would compel us to be dead to sin. (coughs) It must be inward, it can't be outward. We've been raised from the dead in Christ to then be alive in this external world to impact the world. Secondly, The indwelling Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the resurrected life in the believer. This is the fruit of the Christ life in your life. And this affects you in the external. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. And I'd love you to ponder... Galatians chapter 5 in a, in a prayerful way considering these elements, these attributes of the Holy Spirit. And let this begin to affect you. That you would begin to pray in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit would begin to be exhibited in your life because the fruit of the Spirit is the exhibition of the life of Christ in this world. Verse, You can read from verse 19 when you do some study at home. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. And that's why I'd encourage you to go back because it starts with a but. That means that he's, 
he's juxtaposing what he's about to say against what he just said. So he's, he's putting it in against that. So in other words, there are some other fruit. And, and you go back over and study that yourself. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the indwelling Spirit of God in your life. Now, fruit is that which is external. That's what it is. You have apples on a tree. Those apples just kind of appear out of these buds that have flowered and the bees have done their thing and the fruit comes along. It's come out of the the life force that's in the tree. And so the same thing, the Holy Spirit indwelling in you produces this. And this is the external showing of the Holy Spirit within you. Love. That's the very first thing. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering or patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of the indwelling Spirit of God in your life. He dwells in you to exhibit this externally to the world around you. And it's important that we understand this and that this becomes an issue of prayer in our lives. Lord, help me to exhibit the exhibition of Jesus To the world around me, help me to show love. Help me to show joy, peace, patience. Help me to show these attributes of your spirit, Lord Jesus, to this world around me. This is what God wants from us. This is how we are to affect the external world around us is by being transformed internally. And it's so practical because you and I can make this the, the issue of prayer that, that God would help us to speak with love, for example. That God would help us to exhibit true joy that comes internally despite the chaos that might be around us. It's, you know, I, I, I've really get a kick out of it sometimes when my unsaved workmates say things like, you're just so unfazed day by day over these these issues. Because it's pretty chaotic in, in my job, I'll tell you. From day to day, we don't know how the work is going to be. We just know there's going to be a fair bit of stress there. you know. And so uh, it really gives me a bit of a kick when people say, oh, you know, you, you just seem unflappable in, the, in these situations. And it's not me, it's God. And it doesn't matter what job you do, you know. If you're a builder, you can swing that hammer for the Lord. Literally, you can do the best job you can do. You can exhibit patience to your workmates. And so love, first of all, is inward. We say that we are to love God. Remember when the religious people tested the Lord and they said to him, you know, which is the greatest commandment? And his reply was directly out of the out of the law of God, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And to love your neighbour 
as yourself. And so, you know, we, when we say that we are to love God, <clears throat> this comes down to, the, it's, and it's shown a lot in the issue of contentment. Contentment is a real indicator of your growth in Christ Jesus. Paul says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Learning how to be content in your situation. And as we love God and we grow in our love for God, one of the, way, one of the indicators to us is that we are content in our life. Christian men, this is a, a very important thing for you. you. You marry a lady and you commit yourself to that lady. You don't have control over her. You don't know where her heart is going to go. But one of the important things for you is to make yourself to be in a place of contentment within that relationship, whereby your marriage is and your wife, you're contented in, in that situation. Now, I said you, you don't have control over that other person, but we're to love God enough that contentment would rule and reign in our hearts. We're to love our neighbour enough that we don't become envious or hateful or spiteful toward that person. These are internal. They flow out out into the external world, but they're flowing out of the internal changes of God in the person's life. Man is affected internally by the external world. And this leads to other external results. You know, life can be very difficult sometimes. And if, you're, if your walk with God is being jeopardized in some ways, whatever it might be, your prayer life, and meditation on the Word of God, etc., then when opposition comes your way, the thing that is going to do is it's going to damage you internally with in a whole lot of ways. Uh, it could be that you begin to blame God for this, you know, Lord, why have you let me get this disease, this illness, whatever it may be? Rather than, as Paul teaches us, thanking God in everything. And so this is one of the important parts is that man is affected internally by the world around us, by the external, which leads to other external results. And the depth of your walk with God is going to be demonstrated by how you respond by those that incoming data. So in other words, something happens to you. Somebody at work does something terrible to you, right? And so the depth of your walk with God is, is about to be revealed, in that situation, whether you go away grumbling and, and moaning under your breath about this person and calling them nasty names, or whether you turn, uh, turn back to them and demonstrate love to them. We're affected internally by the external. And, you know, sometimes that hurts. Let's be real about this Christian life. You know, sometimes that hurts. 
the external things that happen to us, they can really hurt. But in those times, it's vital to draw near to God because the only way you and I will be then prevented from the wrong external behavior ourselves will be by that internal change that the Holy Spirit has wrought in our lives. The Christian life also involves an active passivity. And I mentioned this last week and I wanted to just go over that idea this week. What is this active passivity? (coughs) And the example that I've used in the past is Mary. The Virgin Mary is met by an angel who tells her that she's going to bring forth a son. The Holy Spirit conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the baby Christ, and uh, you know, in a very real corporeal body is formed and, and given birth to. Now consider how us grasping Mary's response to the Lord, as recorded in Scripture, can help us. If you're to turn to Luke chapter 2, you can have a look at the, the whole occasion there, but we're just going to focus down toward the end of the chapter, or the middle. Verse 34, Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? Here's the question that is being asked. And this is not a question of denial. This is a question of clarity. You know, how are you going to do this? I'm still a virgin. Now, it's a completely logical question and correct. The angel, though, answers her and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then in verse 37, he says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Verse 38, then Mary said, and this is the response for you and I. The men can word it differently. Luke, oh sorry, Luke 1, 38. Sorry, not Luke 2. So this is the response from the men, okay? Uh, From a lady. So men, you can word it differently. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Why will the men word this differently? Don't call yourself a maidservant. Um, you know, just servant will do. Be a real man about it. Behold your male servant. So Mary, first of all, faces these things in her mind. And if she had said no to the Lord, there's no reason in Scripture to, to conclude that the Lord would have brought forth physically, truly physically in her womb, the body of Jesus Christ and given birth to him. And, you know, you can conjecture either way, you know. It's not really the important thing. The important thing that the scripture is highlighting here is the willingness of Mary. She asks a question. The Holy Spirit, the the angel explains this to her. And so then (coughs) she answers, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, you do your will. Be it unto me according to thy word. So, let's notice a couple of things. This is what we mean by this active passivity. 
Lord, I'm your servant. It's in your hands now. That's this waiting on God for God's purpose to be achieved in your life. Have you ever come against a difficult situation and a basic rule of thumb when you come up against difficult situations is to look at that situation and first analyse if there's anything you can do about it or not. And the things you can do something about, you begin to pray and wisely move ahead in those things. But what do you do about the things you can't do anything about? You can pray what Mary, Mary just declared. Lord, be it unto you as you will. Let your will rule and reign. I, I can't do anything about this, God. This is out of my control. Be it according to your will. And then that allows you to be able to let go of very difficult situations and trust that into God's hands. And in that then, you can be thankful in that situation. You can thank God that he is sovereign and that he is in control. And that you don't have to battle to try and achieve things that are outside of your ability, outside of your purview. Now let's notice a couple of things here. And that is that man has been created with finite limits. This is where this active passivity comes in. Mary could not achieve what God wanted. All she could do was yield to him. You and I are finite. We are not infinite. We cannot create as God created. With all man's limitations, we can bring forth creatively into this external world only that which already exists, only from our ideas into that which already exists. But man's creations are the evidence of internal thoughts. You know, you can come around and have a look at my chicken coop if you want and, you know, that's uh, that's the creation. I made it with my hands. I was very pleased with it after, the, you know, the end result. But I can't even say that came from my internal thoughts. My internal thought was I want to have some chickens and get some eggs. That was it. I can't dream up a plan. So I looked up a plan. And unfortunately, it's from America. I had to convert all the measurements and it's way too heavy. But it's good. It's strong. But there's another thing that must be said. Even after becoming a Christian, we can produce death. Ever had one of those situations where someone in church has treated you really wrongfully? And you've gone away damaged out of that, that something's happened. You know, this is, this is the kind of thing that happens in relationships where maybe a, a man has been betrayed by his wife. There is some death that occurs, damage to the heart out of that, or a wife has been betrayed by her husband. There is damage that occurs. You and I, if we do not walk wisely, displaying the fruit of the Spirit. It's very easy for us to hurt other people because that's where we're affecting things, isn't it? We're affecting things in the external world. You're external to me. You know, 
as the old saying goes, I'm the centre of my own universe. You know, you and I affect each other externally. The things we say, the way we say them, all these kinds of things, the, the way we ignore one another or the way we show attention to people, all of this affects people internally. And so we can produce death. Well, our external behavior is really determined by who we are yielding to. If you want to display the fruit of the Spirit in your life, it must come out of walking in a relationship with God. It has to come out of that. You can't display the fruit of the Spirit otherwise. It's it's His fruit in you. Not your fruit in you. Your fruit in you is why you needed to repent in the beginning. How amazing, you know, that we're created in the image of God, but it's a sobering thought because you can bring forth from your thought world into this external world things that damage or things that heal. You can repair and restore or you can hurt. We're an amazing creation, aren't we? So we have to understand that loving and communing with God occurs in the inner man. (coughs) This is vital for us to understand. It takes place inwardly. Coming to church is pretty much, a lot of this is a bit of an external thing. You know, there's words up there and songs that we sing, fellowship that we have with one another. But the real communion that you will have with God is going to be as you spend time with him in his word. And that's where it needs to take place so that internally you're being changed and in doing that and, and, and experiencing that change inwardly, you, you then affect things externally. A real interpersonal communication never remains inter- uh, external. By this we mean, and if you take the example, and this is why scripture has such a strong example of the uh, church and Christ as being a marriage union, and why marriage is singled out within scripture as being a very special human relationship, is that something happens within a marriage whereby Two people come together and the two become one. A union is formed and that union is formed around a deepening relationship of communication and that communication begins to affect one another at a heart level. And it's shown to us in this way, it's my belief, that you and I would understand the relationship that we have with God is one that affects us at an internal level. Real communication begins in our thought world. You know, we can say, I love you, and we can be it can be totally unmeaningful. Because in the thought world that does not exist. But when you and I are thinking of how we love one another, then when we make that expression of love there is a real meaning behind that. And this is vital to us to understand. (coughs) And the same is true 
for our love of God. That you and I can deepen in our expression of our love for God by deepening in our communion with God. The inner workings of the heart are vital to Christian growth. Another conclusion for us is that the real battle concerning people is in the world of ideas. All heresy, for example, begins in the world of ideas. That's where it starts. And so then churches enter into a battle when a heresy is introduced into the church. Believers enter into a battle over that idea. And very seldom gets down to physical battles, although that's happened in in some uh, bizarre cults and and different things. All external things come forth from the internal. And so the real battle concerning you and I is in the world of ideas. And this is this is why Paul in Second uh, Corinthians ten he stresses the change of the inner man and the the battle that we have of being a, a battle that's not about a physical contention. It's about a a contention, a battle that takes place where the ideas, the inner person, is changed and brought into yielding to the Lord. And so whether we accept it or reject it in the thought world makes the difference as to whether we will move forward and walk in victory over certain areas. And Paul, when he talks in 2 Corinthians 10, he says that our weapons, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And he's not talking about this uh, hyper-faith movement where where they want to shout that out, out as a mantra, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal and, and stuff, and then they want to get into some uh, uh, you know, repetition of prayers over the hill, you know, looking down over the city and casting down strongholds. The strongholds that Paul is talking about within this passage is a stronghold within areas of thinking in the individual. And so he's talking there that we're not going to overcome those areas of wrong thinking with in a carnal way. This is where modern psychology, which comes very close in so many areas, does not finish the problem in so many areas. It can get many things right, but it gets the essence of the sinfulness of the human heart wrong. <coughs> Sorry, my throat's really being a pest today. And so for this reason, evangelism and the preaching of the gospel, it can't come down to just being a program. It has to flow from a person's life. It has to be, um, you know, just not just a rote program that we learn, but it has to come out of a heart that's transformed and changed so that the, the communicating of the gospel then is a real communication. So... A third conclusion that we have with this is that true spirituality always begins in the thought world. True spirituality is about the inward. And this is so important for us. You know, the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder 
that which is carnal from that which is spiritual. This is the, the emphasis of the Word of God. Getting the Word of God into your life is that it has that impact on you whereby it can separate your false thinking from God's right thinking. Amen? So the spiritual battle, the loss of victory, is always, first of all, in the thought world. That's where it starts. It's simply the fruit of the battle that is seen in the external world, both good and bad fruit. Remember, we can bring forth death, we can bring forth life. This flows out of the transformation within that you and I are transformed within. And a key component of that, as I mentioned before, is this active passivity, learning to patiently wait on God in the difficult situations. You know, learning to wait on God when there are obstacles that we can't overcome. And even the ones that we can overcome is learning to seek the wisdom of God before just racing ahead and making our own decisions in any situation. So the reason why I wanted to go through this is because a lot of the issues and the battles that Christian face, Christians face is, stems from what is going on in the heart, that people give way to ways of thinking and then those ways of thinking give birth to ways of behaving. And, and we have to see it, we have to understand it that way. And so if you see a sinful behaviour in your life, it's good for you to take some time to pause and go back over and think about the thinking that is behind that behaviour because it doesn't come from a vacuum. It doesn't come from nowhere, it comes from somewhere and that somewhere is to do with the heart. And this is important for us. That's the area of yielding that needs to be changed in order for us to walk in victory. And until that area of the internal changes, we won't walk in victory. At, very, at the very best, what we'll do, if it's victorious, will be by accident. So praise the Lord. It's awesome to think that in this life, with, with all of our hang-ups that we brought to the cross, and we brought some, we brought, we, we brought, brought plenty of hang-ups, that all of those can be brought to the cross and the Word of God is able to be invested into our lives and make such a change that you and I begin to exhibit that change externally in this world around us. Not thinking, not behaving the way we did. And that is the amazing work of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it results in God healing us psychologically. Uh, spiritually, healing relationships, uh, all different kinds of things. Sometimes those relationships are, are beyond healing, but it's not because of the work God is doing in you, but it may be the other person. And so, you know, we don't have control over them, but we can rest that into God's hands and allow him to have his work in us through that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. 
Thank you for the love that you have shed abroad in our hearts. Changing us and transforming us in the inner man. That we might be shaped in this world more and more into the image of Christ. That we might demonstrate his love, his fruit to this world around us. And so help us, Lord, that we would pray thusly. Lord, according to Galatians 5, and and ask you to exhibit in us the fruit of the Spirit and help us to be prepared to walk in that lesson which you will give us to teach us to walk in that manner. So we praise you and we thank you in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. You're welcome to duplicate this message in its entirety for non-profit purposes. For more information and resources, visit cgc.org.au.